Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Well, we're excited to continue our series, A New Normal. We began last week with a a good look at uh, the normal all around us. We found that it seems like normal is changing about every day. You kind of have to get online or, or look at what's coming up, whether that's for school or just your everyday life. Normal seems to be changing very rapidly. And it's exhausting, frankly, when we're in those places where change comes over and over again in rapid succession, it begins to get exhausting. And so last week we looked at a new normal and said, what if Scripture or God through Scripture was calling us into a new normal? And we're going to begin looking at this, and I hope these are very practical sermons over these next three weeks together. And last week we looked at taking Sabbath. How important it is that there's a rhythm of work and then rest. Work and then rest. We, we found that we are human beings. We are not human doings. So how many of you used your worksheet and created space for Sabbath this week? I know I did. Uh, I took Friday at noon to Saturday at noon. And what a great feeling it was to wake up the next day. I got good sleep and good rest, enjoyed time with my family. Jackson and I went fishing, and we just had a great time. I mean, this is what rest is all about. I hope that you joined us. If you did, would you do a little uh, hand raise emoji on your uh, on the comment section as you're there watching? Uh, we want to know, how are you participating? If not... Grab that sheet, that uh, Sabbath prepare sheet, and work through it and find a time. We are called to be a people of rest. And so let's, let's join that together. But this week, we want to look at the normal of fear and doubt and anxiety that our world seems to be bringing to us every second of every day. What if Scripture showed us a new Normal when it came to fear, to doubt, to anxiety, to sorrow. And so let's look at that. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles, take them and open them to Psalm chapter 13. Psalm 13, it's a very short psalm, but a very powerful psalm. It's one of my favorites, even though it is really a psalm of lament. A psalm that is prayed or sung when things are not going right. When the normal is changing rapidly and sometimes catastrophically as it, as it did for our brothers and sisters in Beirut this week. And so let's read Psalm 13 and let's hear the word of the Lord. This is for the director of music. It says a psalm of David. How long, O Lord... Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer. Oh Lord, my God, give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. 
And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for He has been good to me. This is the Word of God for the people of God. And our response is, thanks be to God. Now, these are difficult words. And normally when I come to this passage, it is to share and to try and help people who are experiencing deep sorrow, sadness, grief, fear, anxiety of all kinds. And I, and I try to use this passage as an example to say it's okay to have these feelings. They're even in the Bible. So many times we think that if we're experiencing those negative, what we call negative emotions of anxiety, fear, doubt, anger, that we shouldn't have those when we come to God. We have to just put on a happy face and, and kind of ask God. And if we say the right words and we say it nicely, maybe He'll help us. So it's good to look at this psalm and to say these raw emotions, these raw feelings are in the Bible and even instruct people to pray. These psalms were sung in worship or used as prayer. And this is important that we use this. Acknowledging our real emotions is the first step in transformation. And what we do not allow to be transformed by God, we will transmit to others. Let me say that again. That's a very important principle. That what we do not allow to be transformed by God, we will transmit to other people, even and especially those we love. I still believe this and will continue to invite those who are facing these situations to pray these words. If those words rang true for you today, then I invite you, pray those words, pray those words, pray those words. Continue to use them to give you words to pray to God. Now, according to the pre-verse that describes what we're about to read, this psalm is a hymn of David. Can you imagine us singing this today? I I don't think it would work very well on WCSG. Probably wouldn't get a lot of airtime. We don't like these kinds of emotions, but this was a hymn. This was something that was sung over and over and sung still today in many Jewish synagogues around the world and churches around the world. However, today I want to do something a little different with Psalm 13, something that struck me as I was reading and thinking about a new normal when it comes to our thought processes around grief, anxiety, sorrow, and, and those tougher emotions. I want us to look into what the psalm does. I normally talk about what the psalm says and then let you know how we're to respond to it. But today, I think this psalm does something that invites us to to join in the doing so that we can see something, so that we can begin to move into a new normal. And that new normal invites us to see I want us to look at its function, not just its content. So, sorry today, no Hebrew words. I know, some of you will think, was it even a sermon? But today, I want us to look at the function of this psalm, not just its content. We'll look at the content a little bit, but I want you to see what it does. So, I want this to be a participation sermon, so get out a pen, something to write with, or open up the notes section on your smart device 
And, uh, and, and this is going to be an important thing for us. You're going to want to write some things down. And then at the end of the sermon today, again, there will be some more homework. There will be a sheet that will be in the comments section, or you can go on our website and download it that's going to help you to participate in this new normal. I want us to do an exercise for a few minutes, though, right now. So this is why you need your, you need your pen and your paper, or you need your note section on a device or something you can type on, okay? Give you just a couple seconds to do that, because I want to invite you into this exercise for a few minutes, and then I will explain how this connects us to the new normal that Psalm 13 is inviting us to participate in. Okay, you guys ready? I hope so. Got everything you need? All right, I want you to take a few minutes and I want you to write down everything you have thought about since you got up this morning, okay? I want you to write down everything that you have thought about since you got up this morning. Some of you have 30 minutes or less to write about. And some of you might have hours of thought to write down, but we're just going to take a couple of minutes and I'm going to go ahead and do this. I'm going to start a timer here in just a second. And we're going to look at, uh, we're going to go ahead and, and take that time. And I want you to write down everything you thought about since you got up this morning. Okay, ready? Go. Nothing like dead air. But go ahead, keep writing, keep writing. Everything you've thought about. Sentences, phrases, worries, anxieties. What's going to happen next? Just keep going. We're 30 seconds in. Keep going. Don't make this difficult. Just write first things that come to your mind. What you remember. Simple as what I'm gonna, what am I gonna wear today? What am I eating for breakfast? What kind of coffee? That's one minute. So take another minute. Keep going. Keep going. Doesn't matter if you get all of it. You probably won't. Watching my clock here. Keep writing. If you get to the end of your page, flip it over. Just keep writing. Keep going. All right. That's uh, right there is uh, one, one and a half minutes. So you got about another 30 minutes. 30 seconds, sorry, not 30 minutes. Keep going. Keep writing. Scribbling furiously. Come on. This is getting you ready for pop quizzes, teenagers. All right, about five more seconds. And ready, set, and pencils down, please. All right. You've done that. Read back over your list for just a second. Not out loud. Just kind of glance over it. You probably thought of a ton of stuff. 
And uh, even if you've only been up just a short while, there are some things that you're already wrestling with. Now, why did I have you do this? I'm glad you asked me that question. In many ways, this is what David is doing through these first four verses. He's describing, and then somebody scribed them, writing them down. Let's, let's hone in on the beginning of verse 2. I mean, the beginning of verse 2 says, How long must I wrestle with my thoughts every day and have sorrow in my heart? Now, maybe some of you, your, your thoughts aren't filled with sorrow and anxiety and worry. You just had, you know, kind of what we would call run-of-the-mill regular thoughts, but... Stick with me, we're going to get to this. But this is going to be our theme verse. This wrestling with my thoughts every day, having sorrow in my heart. This is going to help us. These these first four verses of this psalm are about David wrestling with his thoughts. Verse 1, he thinks God has, has forgotten him. And that God is hiding his face from David. David was used to this intimate relationship with God where they, they just spoke, I mean, He was called a man after God's own heart. And David says, something has changed. Something is different. I feel like I've been forgotten by God. And that God is hiding his face. Verse 2, he has sorrow in his heart like we saw. And believes that his enemies are gloating. That they're they're smiling at what David is having to go through. Verse 3, he has obviously thought about what he wants God to do. I mean, he says, look on me and answer me, O God. He commands God. He, he asked God to give him light, to give me a clue, give me an idea of what I'm supposed to do in this situation. On the second part of verse 3, he thought about the severity of the consequences of facing this alone. I will sleep the sleep of death, he says. I'm dying here, God. Show up. Have you been there? Are you there right now? Verse 4, thinks that God doesn't do something here. His enemies will prevail and rejoice, and he, David, will fall. I mean, those are some serious thoughts that he is wrestling with. No wonder he says, I have sorrow in my heart all day long. These are real human thoughts. And maybe you didn't write thoughts like this down, but I bet you've had them at some point in your life or another. And if not, just wait a while. At some point, these kinds of thoughts will enter your mind. And at some point, you will be thinking this. And when these thoughts come, our tendency is to run from them or to push them down or to deny them because we're afraid of them. We take Rene Descartes, this philosopher, very literally in our fear. We think, I think, therefore I am. I'm thinking these thoughts, therefore I am this fear, this anxiety, this worry, this sorrow, this bad thing that is happening to me. We begin to try and just push that away as best we can. We become convinced that we are what we think or that our thoughts are 100% correct and true and will probably stay that way for an extended period of time. And in my experience, this feeling doubles when they are the thoughts that we find in Psalm 13. When we're really wrestling with where is God? When we're really worried about our enemy triumphing over us. When, when we feel sorrow in our heart all day long. It just compounds that feeling like this is going to last forever. These thoughts are 100% true and I am my thoughts. And they're just going to take on a life of their own. 
These thoughts can become consuming and we begin to feel like we actually are our thoughts. Have you ever been there before? It's maybe a stressful time when there's a lot of conflict and you just couldn't get away from it. It just began to feel like, like this is who you were and this is how it was going to be. Maybe it was during a time of loss. I remember when my dad passed away. He passed away in February and by July I just began to feel like I'm always going to be this way. And it was changing and shaping things. Have you ever had a worry that just won't stop? It just is with you all day long, like David said. And you just don't know what to do. It begins to take on a life of its own. Maybe you're there now. Maybe you're wrestling with thoughts of, when will I catch this virus? When am I going to slip up and not have enough hand sanitizer or whatever? And, and you're just worried about that. Maybe some of you are angry and just want to know, when will this virus be done? When will things get back to normal? And we begin to think that this is just the way it's going to be. You may be wrestling with, why did that person break my heart when they broke up with me? Why did my marriage end? Where is God in this crazy year that we call 2020? And we go round and around, and the thoughts get stronger and seem more real and more permanent. I kind of wonder if this is what led David's Psalm 13 journal, his description, and then somebody scribing it at some point. Those thoughts, those doubts, those anxieties, those worries, were they going round and round and becoming more and more real for David? So he just began to speak them out loud to God. And eventually wrote them down. They come down through you to you and me today. But did you notice that something happened between verses 4 and verses 5? And I want to draw our attention today to this space between the verses. Between verses 4 and verse 5. Because as I studied, I began to wonder if this psalm is an example of something in psychology. It moves in verse 4. Look at verse 4. My enemy will say I have overcome him and my foes will rejoice when I fall. And then verse 5. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. How did he make that leap? How did he go from this feeling of all this all-consuming stuff to, to move into, but I will trust. That's a huge gap right there. And we don't know how long it took him to move from verse 4 to verse 5. But I began to wonder as I studied Psalm 13, is this an example of what psychology calls metacognition? I know, I know. No Hebrew today, but today I jump into psychology. Uh, if you don't know, I spent the first part of my career as a psychologist. And, uh, and so I want to put a bit of that work to, uh, to use today, if that's okay. I want to tell you about John Flavel. And he's an American developmental psychologist. He's now retired. And he came up with this term of metacognition. Metacognition. I, I probably ought to have you say that. Are you ready? One, two, three. Metacognition. Okay, good. You're with me. Now, metacognition involves two things. So don't let this throw you that we're moving into psychology and looking at metacognition. God may just use this out of what Psalm 13 is doing to change your life. So let's look at this. Metacognition involves two things. One, it involves an awareness of your thoughts. Now take out your piece of paper that I had you fill out and write all those things down. 
Look at that. Look at all those thoughts. You wrote all those thoughts down. Those thoughts did not write themselves. You took pen. You thought about what was coming forward and you wrote it down. And it is now outside of you. You are observing it and you are looking at it. By doing this exercise, you have been able to separate from your thoughts. This means you are not your thoughts. I want to say that again. This exercise proves that you are not your thoughts. You are the observer of your thoughts. You have thoughts. You are not thoughts. You have them. And this, and as you observe them, this is the first part of metacognition, to be aware of what you are thinking, aware of your thoughts as they are taking place. And you observe them. I wonder if this principle, although not named until Flavel, was still in operation in Psalm 13. I believe God, who created human beings, knows how we operate. And this psalm invites us into this metacognition process. That we begin to see this, that David, by writing these real difficult thoughts down, begins to get some distance from them. And to realize that he is the observer of these difficult thoughts. To dare to think that something larger might be at play. That I might be able to step back from thoughts and begin to observe them and look at them, see what they're saying, and begin to do something different. This enables David to move to the second part of metacognition. So the first part was being aware of your thoughts. But not only are you aware of them and realize you are the observer of your thoughts, But as the observer, listen to this, you have the ability to reframe or reevaluate the thought, whatever it may be. In other words, you have a thought, you can observe and observe it and choose to look at it in a different way or a different angle, just like you might take a toy and and, and flip it over and, and look at it from a different angle and see something, some part of it that you have never seen before. You begin to see things differently. This, these two in combination are what metacognition is all about. I'm aware of my thoughts. I realize I'm the observer of the thoughts. And therefore, I can turn those thoughts around and begin to look at them from different angles and see what really is all about these thoughts. Maybe David wrote the, down verses 1 through 4 and he began to observe what he had written or sung or spoken to see the thoughts separated from who he is. And this allowed him to step back and begin to look at all these thoughts from a different angle. To think about the past and the present when considering the future. Maybe he thought about the time that God delivered him from the hand of the giant, Goliath. Maybe he remembered God helping him hide from Saul. The king who was trying to take his life out of jealousy and yet stay in a way of respecting the king and not just taking power by himself. Maybe he remembers how God helped him to navigate that tricky situation. Maybe he remembered how God had promised that his kingdom would continue on forever. There would be a king on his throne. 
But something allowed him to metacognate, to move from verse 4, my foes will rejoice when I fall, to verse 5, I trust in your unfailing love, my heart rejoices in your salvation. Again, we don't know how long it took him to get there, but there was something about putting the thoughts out there, stepping back, looking at them, and getting to verse 5. How do we live this? Psalm 13 being included in the prayers of the Bible calls us to a new normal of living in the tension between verse 5, verse 4, and verse 5. To live in that space. I know in your Bible it's just a little white space in between two black sentences. But it can be a good space where God will meet us in the midst of this. I have all these thoughts, and if they're real, that's verses 1 through 4. And there may be another way of looking at them. That's the space between verses 4 and 5. That may lead you in time to trust verses 5 and 6. But we have to rest there. We can't run away from the thoughts. We can't deny the thoughts. We can't push them down. We can't give them more power than that they observe, than they, they deserve. We are called to name them and hold them and then realize that we are the observer and we are looking at them and maybe there's a different way. How do we live into this? There are three things. You ready for these? The three ways that we live into living in the space between verses 4 and 5 is one, to write down the fears, doubt, and worry. Maybe you weren't uh, ready to do that on this sheet of paper today. You're going to have something in your inbox or, or in the comments section here in just a second that will allow you to do this. But to write down your fears, your worries, your doubts, your anger, all those those thoughts that you might run from, To write them down. So write them down. Two, reframe them. And three, repeat what you have reframed again and again and again. Let's go through those. Write down your thoughts. You've already done that. Get specific about your troubles. You don't have to be poetic. You don't have to be like David. You don't have to make it rhyme or do anything along those lines. Just write down the good, the bad, and the ugly. And don't be afraid to get God involved in it. To say, God, where are you when this happened? When they said this about me? When they demeaned me like that? When they, where were you? Why aren't you helping me here? It's okay to get raw and real and honest about those thoughts. Write them down. Be specific. Then we're called to reframe them. Reframe the thought to to realize, okay, I'm the observer. I put these thoughts out there. Is there another way to look at this situation, at these thoughts, at this conflict, at whatever is troubling you? Is there another way? If you get stuck and you feel like there is no other way, then go to someone you know who loves you, who you trust, and give them permission To give you a different way of looking at it. Have you ever thought about this? What if this were to be the case? I love what Dallas Willard says when he says, What if is the the beginning of every fear, but what if is also the beginning of every hope? What reframing is doing is beginning to move into the realms of the what if of hope. And if you can't get there... Go to a trusted friend and help. ask them to help you reframe, to look at this from a different way. 
And once you have that reframe that fits, not one that, that you, ah, oh, I don't like that one, you know, that doesn't seem to grab, but one that fits, grab it and repeat that reframe as many times as you need to. In this situation, I, this is the way I'm feeling, God. This is the way these thoughts just keep coming. Pause. I'm an observer. I'm looking. Take out a three-by-five card where you've written your reframe. It may also be that this is the case. Begin to look at that reframe. Think about the times God has helped you. Think about the times that God has been with you in the midst of struggles. And begin to move into that reframe and then repeat and repeat and repeat. Now, the goal here is not to push down the negative, to ignore the difficult, or to just be happy as quickly as possible. We don't know how much time elapsed between verse 4 and verse 5 for David. And it's okay not to rush through that. It's okay to spend time with God in the in-between space. God is not rushing you. God's hope and God's goal is for His presence to be sensed by you. For you and God to spend that time together. Think about that. So you don't have to rush through this space. But bring your thoughts as and your observations and bring your reframe and bring your repeating to God. And you will meet Him in the middle there. And that may begin to lead you into verse 5 and 6, into the celebration. What this exercise does for us is allow us to see two things. The first thing it allows you to see is that you, yes, you, are bigger than your fearful thoughts. The real you, the one who is observing the thoughts that you are having, is bigger than your fearful thoughts. Let's just stop there for just a second. Can you live into that? Can you recognize that? That you, wherever you are watching around the world, you are bigger than your negative thoughts. And that leads us to number two, because as people of faith, if you are bigger than your thoughts, how much larger is the God who created all there is, who created the universe, where the universe moves in and has its materiality and its being within our God? If you are bigger than your negative thoughts, how much more vast is the mercy and understanding of the God who created all of those things? And these, this exercise, this metacognition, this Psalm 13 prayer begins to move us to not only understand that we are larger than our negative thoughts, but if we are larger, then how much more will God be with us in the midst of it? This is not just solely a psychological principle. This is something that David shows us is part of the function of the Psalms. The function of the Scriptures for us. And they have been there. We are just now beginning to observe them. So this week I told you I was going to give you some homework. And you should be getting a sheet of paper emailed to you right about now. And it's just, it's not fancy, it's just a Word document you can print off and use to begin to work yourself through these exercises 
to write down the difficult thoughts, to begin to reframe and look at what might be different, and then to begin finding ways to repeat them and to rest in the midst, in the space between verses 4 and 5, waiting for God there. I believe you will find God in the midst of that space between. And I hope and pray that when you do, you will experience the joy of trusting in God's unfailing love. I pray that your heart would rejoice in the salvation that God brings. That you would begin to sing to the Lord because God has been good to you. Isn't that good news? Wow. Wow. But would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, thank you that you know us and understand us. And that your word not only informs us by what it says, but its very function reads us at the core of who we are as human beings and helps us to move into praise, into trust, into deeper ways of moving and maturing and and living out the life that Jesus calls us to live. Father, today I pray for my brothers and sisters around the world that you would help them to take this exercise, whether they want to call it the Psalm 13 prayer or whether they want to call it metacognition. It doesn't matter. You created all there is. You created us. And you will meet us in the space between verses 4 and 5. For my brothers and sisters who are trapped thinking that their thoughts are too big and too large. May this exercise, this psalm, show them that they are not their thoughts. That they have thoughts and they can observe them and they can look at them and reframe them. And you, in your vast understanding and mercy, will meet them to help them in that process. I pray that you would help them to repeat those things over and over and over. And they would begin through this process to mature into the image of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Father, thank you for this psalm. As difficult as it is, help us in 2020, to make this a part of our new normal. To not just take time to rest, but to take time to bring our thoughts before You. And to have You transform them so that we won't transmit that to those we love. Father, we thank You. We bless You and we praise You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Would you stand and receive the blessing wherever you are around the world? And now, may you enter in to the Psalm 13 exercise. Or metacognition, if you want to call it that. I pray that you would be honest about your raw, real thoughts. 
I pray that you would write them down so that you would become aware that you are not your thoughts. You are larger than your negative thoughts. I pray that as you become aware that you are larger than your thoughts, that your mind and heart will be instantly aware of knowing that God who created it all is with you. I pray that you would dare to reframe and dare to take with you that reframe that you could repeat it over and over and begin to rest in the space between verses 4 and 5. And I pray in time, as God leads you through His Holy Spirit, that you would move to rejoice, to experience the fullness of salvation, and it would lead you to praise. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in His name. Go in peace. Be safe. Wash your hands. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.